Okay, welcome everybody. Thank you for coming to our session about co-selling with our AWS sales organization. So my name is Sarah Lavis, and I am part of our ISV programs team. I am a program manager and help our sales team members like these folks you see here learn how to co-sell with our ISVs and our technology partners. So hello everyone, my name is David. I'm from Germany, I'm a partner success manager. And I brought some people with me here um, that I wanted to introduce to you, but we'll do that in a second. So let's go through the agenda first. Perfect. Okay, so today you're going to learn about who these folks are and what their role is here at AWS. And then we're going to go into a live panel discussion. We felt that this year it was really important for all of you to hear directly from our account managers that work directly with our customers and how the partner network fits in within that journey. Give you some tips and tricks around what exactly works well when co-selling, when you guys should be involving yourself in the sales cycle, and, and when all of you, um, if you are and have been involved with the partner network, are submitting opportunities to us, what they're looking for. So those are just some of the things. Then we'll walk through, especially if some of you in the room are um, either just registered to be part of the Amazon or AWS partner network, um, and we will walk you through some ways that you can get started. And then some of you that maybe have been part of the network for a while, we'll go ahead and take a look at some programs and resources that you can get involved in in order to make sure you are really taking co-selling to the next level in 2020. Then we'll wrap it up with some really straight calls to action you can leave this room today and go and hit the ground running with. Great, so with that, let's get started. Um, who did I bring with me? I brought Melissa Pachkov from the United States. Um, Melissa's a territory cow manager, and she's currently eating her way through New York's pizza places. And next to Melissa, we have Micah, Micah McCullough, and he's an AWS principal account manager, also from the United States. And he's only missed one reInvent since 2015, and the reason was uh, his son's birthday. Uh, actually, it's his son's birthday today, so congratulations to you. <laughs> um, next to him, we have Julian Büchler. I'm very proud to pronounce the name, given that I'm from Germany as well, so there shouldn't be a problem. Um, so he's a senior enterprise account manager from Germany, and even though he's working in IT, and now I have to read that because it's quite complicated, Julian holds a patent of modular filtration system for large-scale heavy-duty engines. Okay, maybe you can tell us later a bit about more about that. Next to Julian, we have Alex Adam. He's also from Germany, and he's a territory account manager. And he was well known during his study for singing a Schlager song called Griechischer Wein. So that's a very particular song in Germany, apparently. Next uh, to Alex, we have Amy Romano. She came all the way from Australia, and she's a senior account manager for the ISV team. And she has lived and worked in four different countries in the last 12 years. And she has a great Boston accent, given that she is actually from Boston. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that and with the introduction, let's start um, on the questions. So you guys are here because you want to know what these people have experienced. And I know that some of you may be at a different stage, but just a quick show of hands. Who from you, who from you are consulting partners? Please raise your hands. And who of you in the audience is a technology partner? All right. Split down the middle, David. Say 50-50. Great. I think it's both relevant for both of you guys because they're very different examples, but also similar examples that these guys have experienced. So let's start with the first question that goes to you, Amy. Um, what does a typical AWS sales cycle look like for you, and how does a partner actually fit in? So I don't really think that, in my opinion, we have a typical AWS sales cycle, so it really varies depending on the rep. And you know, the first thing I do with our partners is I sit down with them and I go through what our business looks like. So in APAC, that's, that might be really different to North America or to EMEA. So for example, in the APAC business, we have uh, different business units. We've got software salespeople, we have digital native, we have emerging enterprise, we have enterprise. And so it's really important to know what business unit and what rep that you're dealing with because that will dictate the customer engagement. So 
you know, if you look at a territory rep, they might have a really large volume of accounts. And so um, they might do deals that are pretty quick and easy, quick and dirty, if you want to say. Um, and so that means that maybe a quick TCO is all that the customer needs, and it's a lift and shift. Or you might get involved with a, an enterprise rep that has a really complicated sales cycle. It could be super political and protracted, and that means that your engagement is going to be different. So it really depends on the rep, the customer, and then the stage of the sales cycle. So you know, uh, usually, like I find as a rule, the AWS rep gives an opportunity to a partner. It's usually at a later stage in the sales cycle. And when a partner gives an opportunity to a rep at AWS, it's usually in an early stage as a rule. That's not, that's not every time. But that means that that will dictate you know, the style of an engagement. It's much riskier to get involved early stages than later stages where you're just looking for someone to execute. So you know, the takeaway is work with that rep and really understand the business that you're dealing with, understand the customer, and that will dictate the engagement. Cool. Thank you. Um, Julian, do you want to comment on that? Yeah, sure. So maybe to understand my background a bit, so I do enterprise sales. So I have two very large clients that I'm dealing with. And um, prior to that, I did a lot of uh, white space engagements. So I was actually um, acquiring customers and building them up end to end. Um, and yeah, the sales cycle typically looks like that you engage with the customer. You have a, you have a project, you have a business challenge to, to be solved. Um, then we would go a bit deeper on the, on the technical challenges, uh, engage with, with technical teams or specialist resources. And this can already be done together with the partner. It kind of depends on if the partner brought that opportunity to us or if, if we need actually somebody to, to execute this. And then from there, usually we would um, either engage with the customer together, have a first workshop, and then set up a call and hand this over to, to, a, to a partner in order to, to drive this and execute it. Or we would do this directly um, in a mutual workshop and have this uh, have this done in a in a joint collaboration. But usually, um, from the engagement, I would say many customers don't have the skills to to do these things. And to be frank, as a rep, you don't want to have rookie customers working on on uh, AWS. You want to have somebody guiding them. You want to have somebody taking them by the hand. And that's where partners come in really handy for me. Oh, great. Um, Alex, I know we work together with consulting partners a lot, so how do you work with consulting partners today? Um, excellent questions, and first of all, uh, hi there, and very happy to be here on stage today and to share some of my experience. When I work with consulting partners, um, I think there is some kind of typical uh, deal cycle too, or sales cycle. For example, there are, in my opinion, three steps. The first, always some kind of discovery or assessment. So find out where the customer is actually standing. The second one is design. So work on with the customer how a potential solution on AWS could look like in terms of architecture or in terms of what are the expected costs this project will have in terms of AWS, uh, AWS costs. And a third very important thing, uh, somebody, needs, somebody needs to implement the project for the customer. And in all of these three, let me say, major phases, I try to loop in um, partners as early as possible. And in my experience, consulting partners are for my customers, which are mainly constituted by small and medium businesses in Germany, a very, very valuable resource. And why is that so? Because the one thing my customers are missing is uh, specific AWS skills in terms of knowledge, how to use services, in terms to how to use our monthly calculator. So that is a very easy thing. A partner can step in and uh, yeah, help the customer right in the beginning. And why is that very important? Because it creates trust. And for me, partner business really is about earning the trust of the customer, presenting the right partner to the right customer at the right moment. And um, that is a very, let me say, useful thing. So try to get the partner involved as early as possible. And the second reason why many of my customers uh, should work together with partners, even though they are not always convinced in the beginning, because a lot of them are simply missing resources to do AWS projects besides their daily business tasks. 
So that is the second very, very important reason for me, and especially why I prefer working together with consulting partners on such customers, because consulting partners sometimes simply deliver a few additional hands-on uh, people who can just do things and just help the customer to get things done in a specific project. And even if it's just helping to, to get things done a little bit uh, quicker than the customer would have achieved with our partner here. So that's how I used to work uh, together with consulting partners typically. Thanks. So, Julian, I know you work in the enterprise segment. Is there something specific about enterprises and consulting partners and how you work with them together? So, I would say um, in enterprise, it's really uh, important that, or it makes, let's say, it makes it much easier if the contracts are in place already. So, if we have, um, so I typically ask my customers, okay, what partners are you working with? Which partners are already established here? Because uh, going through all the legal processes, setting up the partners in your ERP system and so on and so forth, that can really, I would say, delay the sales cycle. So it makes, it makes it much easier if the partner's already established. And then, to just give an example, uh, we had a large manufacturing client that I was working with in Germany, and they wanted to migrate their web platforms and e-commerce systems. And these platforms pro process around 250 million in their revenue. And we knew that there was a consulting partner, not fully established AWS partner, involved there for the software development. And in this case, we really talked to the customer, okay, what is your partner that you're working with? And then kind of implemented a go-to-market with this particular software partner because they were already established in the project. They had already the people on the ground, and they just needed to have a little kickstart on the, on the AWS uh, resources and knowledge. And it, that's what we covered together with our uh, technical resources. That's great, Julian. David, I have a question. So, Melissa, this one's for you. Um, we talked about consulting partners. I know we have some technology partners in the room as well. Melissa, how do you work with technology partners? Great question. So, uh, a little bit of background. Uh, as a territory account manager with AWS, I cover thousands of customers. Um, so, I, I very much work in a scale business. Uh, and I've actually had a really fun year getting to know some of our technology partners. And the way I've worked with them successfully is I, I figure out what the customer's need is, what, what problem they're trying to solve for, and then I diagnose their buyer persona. Are they trying to build something in-house? Or do we have a technology partner who, who provides a software who can do this for them, who I can get involved and, and get them to realize the goals that they're trying to achieve quicker? Um, so it really is a lot about understanding diagnosing and then bringing the technology partners in little bit of sale upfront from me and then bring you guys in and, and let you sell your product. And uh, some of those sales cycles, depending on what the need is, have been going pretty quickly. Um, the, the second part of working with technology partners is I'm, I'm just starting to really learn this ecosystem, relying heavily on my partner sales manager to help me understand it. Um, and I've built out a go-to-market strategy. So an example of that is I cover the Southeast US. Um, hurricanes are something that my customers think about all year long. Uh, so I've had success working with a technology partner called Druva. They do disaster recovery as a service. For me, they're a part of my go-to-market. It makes sense for my customers, and we've had a lot of success. It really resonates with them. Um, so I have a few key go-to-market technology partners. And then as I'm diagnosing my customers' needs, understanding that you know, this doesn't make sense for them to build in-house, or maybe we also need a consulting partner, but we need a technology partner in here quickly to, to help them realize these gains. Um, I, I work with my colleagues, my, my partner sales ecosystem, to inject the right fit there. Um, and we've had a lot of success this year. I think especially with late-stage adopters who don't have a team in place with AWS skills or really know where to start, technology partners have been really key to customers realizing value from the cloud um, as they work on those skills. Thanks, Melissa. It's really important that build versus buy that our customers are starting to realize. Does anybody else want to comment on working with technology partners? So uh, maybe to add on this, and that's true for technology partners and also for consulting partners. Um, so AWS is very hands-on. Like We have an ownership leader princip uh, leadership principle where we drive things proactively. And um, I always find it very challenging if I kind of have to push the partner so go, come on, do some sales and, uh, you know, actually go for hunting. Um, because if I, if I have to do that with the partner, I, I have to do it with the customer already. And I don't need a partner that I have to, that I have to push then. And um, vice versa, it works really well if there's partners that are really hands-on, proactive. I had really good experiences with, with Datadog, for instance, with really 
proactively engaged and committed reps that um, align in the overall strategy and drive things forward. Julian, that's a great point. Um, I don't know if all of you got that from him, but having an aligned sales team goes such a far way with our on either side, technology or consulting partners, to help these guys really co-sell with you. All right, Micah, you've been really quiet and patient. We're going to throw one at you. Earn trust is one of our leadership principles at Amazon. How do you build trust with partners? And most importantly, how do these guys in the audience build trust with you as an AWS account manager? That's a, <clears throat> excuse me, that's a fantastic question, right? So just to set the context a bit, so I'm responsible for the AWS relationship with a single global company, right? So earning trust with an established customer may be a little bit different than, you know, having a, a large swath of customers or, or maybe being in a more greenfield uh, uh, build type territory. So, so earning trust to me is really three key things. Um, so number one, there's got to be honesty, there's got to be integrity in the relationship, and there's got to be transparency. And so when I look at those three things, I really root those back to our other leadership principles around customer obsession and around diving deep. And, and the reason I choose those, those two is, from a customer obsession self, uh, standpoint, our customers have a certain cadence with working with AWS and with Amazon, and they expect um, you know, for us to, to go in looking you know, at their success and, and at their end in mind as opposed to you know, just really you know, driving a particular opportunity or deal. So I look for partners and, and look to build trust with partners that are also rooted in customer success and really working backwards from that success to deliver results um, uh, for the customer. So, so, so partners who take the time to dive deep, understand the customer's concerns, uh, take the time to understand what makes them tick. So for instance, my customer is one that's very rooted in principles much like Amazon. And so taking the time to understand those principles, understand how they relate to their business goals, and then work backwards from there as opposed to you know, a quarterly sales cycle is super important. And I think that applies to uh, consulting partners as well as technology partners. That's a great point. Did somebody else take a breath? Does anyone else want to comment on that? All right, we'll keep moving. So Melissa, we're going back to you, and I think this kind of goes in line with the leadership principle and I'm leadership principle track, and I'm sure many of you have heard that word so many times already here at reInvent. What specific qualities does a customer-obsessed partner have? So for me, a customer-obsessed partner is open and transparent with their communication with the customer and with the AWS sales rep, and, and what I mean by that is I'm operating at speed. I want my customers to realize their goals quickly and effectively. Um, and I, I love bringing partners in to get that done. But sometimes I might bring you in for a big data opportunity, and that's just not your competency. That's just not in your wheelhouse. Or I bring you in for an opportunity, and it, it kind of turns into something else. Um, a customer-obsessed partner really, truly cares about the customer reaching their goals and their outcomes and communicates when, hey, this isn't really something I am well-suited to help you with. Uh, can I recommend another partner? And, and coming back to me, asking for help in doing that, or, or outsourcing to a, a database firm, you know, whatever the situation, um, I, I can't work with a partner who will try to sell something that they know they can't deliver on. So just that open, honest communication on behalf of the customer reaching their goals is really key for me and allows me to work with a, a ton of partners, which is what I want to do. That's a great point. Big theme on honesty here, if you haven't picked up on that yet. So we'll keep moving here. Um, Alex, I'm going to come back to you. Let's go back over the pond. Um, what specific information is helpful to you when learning about a partner's offerings and solutions? Yeah, uh, excellent question. And why is it important for me to know what a partner actually can do? for me as account manager, but more important for the customer in the end. Um, well, it is pretty easy for me because what am I doing in my role? I recommend customers, partners. So what are the reasons why I should recommend a specific partner to a specific customer? Well, first of all, it's about experience. So if I can tell my customer, hey, speak to this partner because this partner has a specific, let me say, industry knowledge, because I know he did several projects with other customers out of your industry, that might be a good fit. Or if it's just project, you know, dealing with yeah, comparable workloads or use cases, then this is very important information for me and I can tell my customer, hey, you know, maybe not of your industry, but, you know, experience in your kind of technical needs and workloads and use cases. So please go on, talk to that customer. 
Um, so that are really important information for me. And on the other hand, if you're a partner who has not that much, um, let me say, public reference customer projects, because you know the most uh, convincing argument for a customer to work with a partner <laughs> is if I can simply tell to him, hey, look, there are some great public references available where this uh, partner has actually realized pretty cool projects together with uh, other customers. That is a very, very important proof point. But if that's not the case, then um, what I always try to look for is competency. So is there something a partner um, really stands up for in terms of technical knowledge? Um, when I think about this kind, I mean things like, for example, Internet of Things, IoT projects, or AI ML projects, or even projects who are dealing with uh, serverless workloads. Because I know many of my customers uh, are thinking about these things right now, but they're simply missing, you know, hands-on experience and guidance how to scope such projects. So if I know there are partners who have uh, a special knowledge in such kind of workloads, that is a very important information for me as well here. So ba basically that's it. Experience or a specialty in specific workloads and use cases. Alex, I'm gonna ask one follow-up question. Is there any specific content or any specific way you wanna learn about partners? Like the, gathering the information, is it through looking at solution briefs, sales briefs, is it seeing case studies on the blog? What, like what, what's the best way for you to learn? Is it just you know, receiving opportunities through, through ACE? So honestly, I don't think there is a one-size-fits-all solution to answer this question. But what always is a good idea to have some kind of uh, sales uh, kit ready, you know, who can just uh, be handed out to AWS account managers, or maybe to develop some kind of, let me say, engagement with your um, AWS sales organization, depending on your country and the specific organization. For example, I know there are formats like Lunch and Learn, uh, in Germany, we, we do this quite often, and I guess in the other countries, that's no difference. That means that is some kind of, let me say, um, year, uh, event or meeting at an AWS office where AWS account managers uh, just can uh, step by and the, and the partner got one hour to pitch his uh, current portfolio, solution, projects, etc. So on the other side, I mean, what every partner can do is uh, just create some kind of, let me say, digital flyer or one-pager um, giving, you know, that, that kind of basic information you think that are valuable for every uh, AWS account manager um, that he can uh, learn, to, that he can know you better. You know, that's a simple one-pager. And in an, optimal, an ideal scenario, that one-pager is uh, in a shape that I, as AWS account manager, can simply hand over this one-pager to my customer if I think it's a good idea to hand it out. So I think this is something every customer could, uh, every AWS partner could do at any time. Okay, great. So um, I know that we have a lot of projects going on, Julian, and uh, you've worked with many customers, but do you have any specific examples? So what's worked really well when you worked with partners? Is that, the question is for me, yeah? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so maybe to add on, um, on the former point is, what should not be underestimated is the word of mouth from account manager to account manager, because at the, at the end of the day, we're all looking to reduce our risk of not launching workloads on AWS in a timely fashion, right? It, it comes down to you want to have your customer, you want to have them move quicker. Um, but also, if you, have a, if you have a partner that specifically delivers well, that earns the trust, that is customer obsessed, and that comes back to you and says, hey, on that big data workload, I just can't deliver, but here's, here's my go-to partner for this, and he will be delivering. Um, that's something that really, really spreads out really quick around the account managers. And that's also true vice versa. So this is, uh, this peer learning within AWS is a very important aspect um, uh, on, on learning on which partner delivers what. Could I ask a follow-up question? Do you have like any specific examples from, from your past what worked really well? In terms of uh, working with a, uh, learning about a, a partner or? Working with a partner. Yeah. So for me what worked really well is um, if you have business with certain customers, reach out to your counterpart. Right? Reach out. I, I reach out to the counterparts uh, if I learn that uh, that they have business, and same same. I would expect the the other side to do that. 
just be careful. If you reach out, you should have business already. Because I, I had a lot of times where you get a $500 opportunity, um, you set up a call with that specific partner, and it turns out they have no business there and just wanted to have a, a, chat, a, a, a chat with you um, on how they could get in there. Which is fine as well, but then use the summits or, or events like this in order to, to talk to the, to the reps. On the other hand, though, if you have business and if you want to drive it forward, and I, I think of consulting partners maybe running the data center or running certain workloads there, and you want to be on the, uh, on the forefront of moving towards the cloud, because, I mean, let's be frank, if, if you don't do it, somebody else is going to do it. And then there really, if, the, if you reach out, if you align, if you use investment programs from AWS, it's really a good opportunity to reduce risk for the customer and make this a no-brainer in, in moving first workloads to the cloud. And there, um, uh, I would really say the alignment, the use of, uh, of programs that we have, and uh, I'm sure if you have a partner development or success manager, he can tell you more about it. Um, it really helps the account team to, to move this forward. Thank you. So, Michael, I know you have several meetings and probably also a lot with your solution architect, but what worked well with meetings with partners, actually? Do you have joint meetings with them as well? Yeah, I do quite a few uh, joint meetings with partners. And again, that goes across the uh, gambit of, um, of uh, uh, consulting partners and, and technology partners. Uh, what works really well for us, number one, and, and it's going to be a bit of a journey, right? So it's kind of a, a divergence to convergence type journey is early on, make sure you do a ton of prep work, joint prep work, meaning winging it is not, is not good, right, in front of the customer. Understand swim lanes, understand who's delivering what content, understand, you know, where, where, where the uh, uh, expertise lies, and, 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 and make sure that you accentuate that, right, and, and get that established up front. And then where you converge is in front of the customer, it should be a one-team discussion, right? It shouldn't be a us and them sitting around the table. If we're partners, let's make sure to deliver that that joint message to the customer and, and, and make sure that it's fully aligned. Um, from, from a um, uh, in-the-room perspective, our, my customer actually uses the term quite a bit uh, around uh, aligned virtues and talents. And so I like to take that same mentality into those joint meetings. And, and really what I mean by that is make sure that, and this is kind of a something that's, that, that's mutual, that both AWS and the established partner have uh, identified the right resources for the audience in the room, right? And so it does us no good if we got two salespeople and nobody technical if it's a meeting with the CTO, right? So just make sure that uh, we're, we're aligned uh, on the right people for the right conversations and we're driving things forward, so. Mm -hmm. Have you seen in the past, Micah, any, um, any meeting that went terribly wrong and what happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh, putting me on the spot. Yeah, so. <laughs> We, we, we've had a few clunkers um, in the past, and I would say that the, the, the meetings that have not gone as planned have been because of poor preparation, uh, meaning you know we're grabbing someone last minute or there was a cancellation, so the person that participated in the prep sessions isn't there, but they sent a surrogate who may not understand the customer, may not understand the outcomes, and is really just doing a pitch. Right? And so typically, if we're in front of the customer and we're delivering a message, it should be attached to the customer value. It shouldn't just be a commercial. Right? And so I think those are the meetings that don't seem to go so well if it's just a slideware commercial type conversation. Yeah, thank you. Sorry for putting you on the spot. No, no worries. I guess uh, that's interesting as well. So um, my next question goes to Melissa. Uh, so we have various uh, various partner people, right? And a lot of people, are, some are here on stage, but how do you interact with people from the partner team? And what kind of specific function are you working the most with? So I work very closely with my partner sales manager, partner success manager, and uh, newly my ISV success manager. Uh, they are key to my success because partners are, are key to my success. Um, I need partners to help my customers realize value, but I need my PSM and my ISM to help me organize my partner ecosystem. Uh, I work with them proactively to understand who my key go-to-market partners are, who are we going to run events with next year to bring on Greenfield uh, customers in certain segments, and I also work with them reactively. Um, I've got you know, a very specific lead. I need an IoT part competency partner. Uh, who can join me for a meeting on Monday, right? I, I go right to my PSM and they, they save me and they ultimately end up saving the customer too. So 
Um, I work really closely with my PSM and my ISM, also just to understand the partner ecosystem, uh, because there are so many of you that we need to understand, but I also need to focus on my customers. Um, so I would recommend closely aligning with your partner development managers to get in front of those PSMs, um, because as much as I love meeting new partners and understanding their value and getting those one-pagers that are customer-facing, love those, um, I, I'm just one person, right? I could move on to a new role next year. When you work with the PSMs and the ISMs, you can scale uh, your audience and, and get your commercials out there to more people. So that, that's a big recommendation to me, and, and they're just so key to my success. Maybe to add on this as well, so I said before that you, you might have a handful of partner that, that you work with, but also if you have certain workloads or special, uh, speciality things, then I would reach out to, part, to the partner team, to the partner success manager, and they will recommend somebody that, that could potentially help me solve this problem. Does anyone want to chime in on this one? All right, so let's move to Amy. I know that all of you guys have seen um, opportunities popping into your pipeline from time to time. These are opportunities that our partners submit, and the program's called ACE. We're going to talk about it later on if you haven't heard about it here in the audience. Um, so how does the ACE program basically help you in order to qualify the opportunities? And what kind of opportunities do you see there? And when do you actually want to be involved in that? Yeah, so... Uh Aces, um, remember that it's not just a CRM. You're actually there's like there's an actual real person on the other end of that CRM, even though it might feel like a little bit of a black hole. <laughs> just being honest, um, but yeah. So there's a rep that you're connecting with. So you know when you put opportunities into that system, you really need to think about what you're submitting and who's on the other end of it. Um, if I give an, an example there, you know if you submit an opportunity, and you say visibility only, and you're submitting that to an enterprise rep, like my friend over here, and he's really entrenched in that account, he's obviously not going to like that comment. <laughs> because, you know, he's got a re great relationship with his customer, and he's well, like, what are you doing in there, why are you in there, and who are you speaking to? So, it's really important to remember that there's, you know, someone else on the other end of that. Um, so, my guidelines for you know, when you're submitting opportunities are above all to think about that person. And your partner rep can help you there. You know, like your, whoever your representative, PDR, there's a lot of acronyms flying around, so make sure you <laughs> remember which one is aligned to you. Um, can help you understand the sales org and, and those people. And then, you know, when you're filling out those opportunities, think about what you're putting in there. You know, like a lot of, a lot of partners I see, they put in some number that's representative of their fees and then you know, lumped in with the AWS spend. And what we're interested in, to be honest, is the, the MRR, monthly revenue recognition, that corresponds to the AWS spend of the workload. Not like, you're gonna charge $100,000 to move this workload. And then we look at that and we see, oh, is that AWS spend or is that your spend? Um, and we don't wanna know that until we get to the, you know, south stage, because we can discuss budget with them, for example. Um, I, I also, don't fish. Don't like submit opportunities that are like trying to get information. Like say, you know, there's an RFP and there's about like a hundred partners going after this RFP, and expect an AWS rep to answer you and fill out a thousand question security form, <laughs> which happens all the time. <laughs> so just be careful, you know, when you when you submit that. Um, so this, this system is like, you know, some reps like are getting hundreds of these, which is a good problem to have, right? But um, we're inundated and it's really important what information is in there. I think it's a, it's a good best practice to actually follow up when you submit an opportunity. You know, don't, you don't, never make assumptions about who it's going to. And you, you need to have a clear next step with that rep. And also, you know, there might be some partner rep on that opportunity submission and that's not the person we're actually supposed to speak to. So that just adds you know, further delays in the whole process. So be clear on who we need to speak to and what the next start steps are and what our engagement should be like. So I think those would be my recommendations around clearly engaging with the ACE system. Hmm. One follow-up question on that. Um, when we get the opportunity in our pipeline, we qualify them, right? And qualify can mean many different things, right? For you personally, what does qualify mean? qualified? 
well, I mean, it's got to be a real piece of uh, business, right? Like, like I said, like, don't put something in that's, like, half-baked or, you know, you talk to some guy at the bar and all of a sudden you have, like, a, a fully formed project that's going to go off the ground, right? Like, so qualified mean that there's something really tangible there that you've actually discussed. Like, you know, if you're, if you're first learning sales, like, the, the whole BANT methodology, like, the budget, you know, the, the need, the timeline, all that stuff is qualified. So if you have that information, you know that information really well, and you have a substantial relationship with that, that partner, and it's at the right stage, that's what a qualified opportunity is. And maybe for you, maybe to take that, or maybe someone else, do you actually need a phone call with the, with the rep, or is some, sometimes just sufficient to submit that opportunity? Uh, I, I think, I think it just, it, well, it really depends on the nature of the opportunity and the stage that it's at. I mean, it's always nice, but like, again, we, it depends on the volume that the rep is dealing with. You know, we're, we're super busy, so sometimes we like, we genuinely don't even have time for a phone call. So the more information you can get out in the A submission, as well as in your correspondence or follow-up to that rep, the better that might, you know, preclude the reason for uh, for a phone call, for example. So and it, it really just depends. Thanks, Amy. I know that's on everybody's mind, especially if you are trying to advance to the tiers and different things like that as well. So before we have them each leave you with one little negative information, we have one last question. And Micah, we're going to go to you first with this. A lot of the folks in the room have worked with our investment and funding programs. How does, our, how does partner funding help you with your, with, within the sales cycle? Yeah, so, so partner funding is critical. Like, like I, I have to state that, right? So it, it's, it's a vehicle, it's a mechanism that you can use to accelerate uh, customer opportunities you know, a, a, across the spectrum. What I would say, though, is a, partner funding is not a substitute for a business case, for delivering value, for understanding what the customer is looking to accomplish. So where I've seen partner funding be super successful is when you've got an executive sponsor, when you've got a you know, validated customer need, the customer has assigned you know, some level of uh, value to the project, and, and preferably some budget, partner funding can help accelerate those opportunities or maybe even grow the scope of those opportunities. Where I've seen partner funding fail is when it's a crutch. Maybe there's a partner who's competing with someone else and the value isn't quite there or they have not established their credibility and so they're looking to you know, basically pay uh, you know, or, or invest for the right to participate. And those opportunities typically don't go anywhere or if they do, they stop at a POC phase. And uh, I, I don't know if you guys noticed, no one up here has used that term, POC don't want to be in that business if we don't have to, right? Concept is proven. Let's go. Proof of value is a whole different thing, right? We can, we can do those sorts of things, discovery, you know, pilot projects, but POCs are, are things that we, we don't want to spend a whole lot of time on. So. That's a very good point. Alex, is it any different in the territory space? Um, no, I'm, I'm glad that you actually mentioned uh, the POC wording <laughs> because um, w one important information uh, from my point of view with uh, funding is um, as you already mentioned, funding will not make or break the deal. It always is a piece of uh, the success factors which will actually lead to win or successful, su successfully <laughs> launch a project. But my, my general guidance here is ask for it. You know, the more interesting a project or customer appears to be, the more likely it is to get funding, you know, whether it is by the account manager or by the AWS partner organization, okay? So um, especially what works very well for me in Germany is uh, POC funding, because it is not only about providing some money, and we're talking about money for you as partner and not for the customer, because partner funding is for you as a partner, and then it's your decision what you would like to do with this funding, you know? pass it on or not, or help reduce costs or not, it's up to you as a partner. And it always depending on the specific deal, in my opinion. Um, but the more important is it is a very easy to use format we can present our customer together. And again, it is a very strong signal for developing and earning trust because simply it's not public, in, public available information for our customers. You cannot go to the website, uh, ask for partner funding, and here it is. No, it is a signal of trust because I, as AWS account manager, believe in your project and the partner believes in your project. So, And if you use funding in that way, I think it is a very critical element, a piece, 
to win a potential project. But don't get me wrong, it's not always about getting funding to, to and it will cure everything. So it's just part of, you know, business hygiene, in my opinion, but a very important part, although. Thank you, Alex, that's great. Okay, so before we dismiss our panel and give you guys some really actionable items to move on with, Today, we're going to go down with each panelist and they're going to leave you with the one thing they recommend that will help you stand out as a partner to our AWS sales organization. Melissa, do you want to kick it off? I'll kick it off. Uh, the most important piece of advice I can give you is to know your superpowers, own them, and be concise in communicating that message. Um, it, it's really helpful for us as account managers to be able to quickly mind map Here's my customer's need. Here's who I know is great at that. Um, and it, it earns trust with the sellers and, and the customers as well. Thanks, Melissa. Micah? Honesty, integrity, transparency, all under the umbrella of customer obsession. Awesome. Simple and straight to the point. Julian? Uh, so for me, I would also be really emphasized on the integrity piece because it really harms the relationship if something different is discussed with the customer than um, what has been aligned on before. And the other thing is really ownership and be proactive. If I have to chase you as a partner the entire time, or if the rep has to chase you the entire time, um, we lose interest because then we can just follow up with the customer on our own. Thank you. Alex? T totally agree with all of the points which I've mentioned <laughs> before. T to add one more thing, um, as a partner, talk, talk to us or try to talk to us. Always remember there are two go-to persons, your partner manager, who should be there all the time, you know, no matter what project you're talking about, and the account manager, because every customer should have an AWS account manager who is interested in winning a project together with you. So just keep in mind these two uh, people to speak to. Thanks, Alex. Amy, I know you, you're last and it's the hardest. What do you got? Yeah, everyone stole my thunder, so <laughs> let me just think again here. Um, so I would agree with the superpower comments. So the way that we hire people at Amazon is that they have to be better than 50% of the existing team. So where do they raise the bar? So where do you raise the bar? You know, like you are bringing, what's the unique ability that you're bringing to our customer set that we're gonna remember you by? And more importantly, how do you articulate that through customer stories? So show us how you've driven those results for your customers, and then we can repeat those stories to our customers and fit you in where it makes sense. This relationship is equal parts you and equal parts us. So, you know, you really need to lean into that relationship and put the effort in and you'll get back, you know, what you put in. Thanks, Amy. Okay, so let's go ahead and give them a round of applause before we go into our resources. All right, guys, you are welcome to shimmy your way off stage. And Dave and I are going to wrap up here with a couple of resources and some programs that were mentioned today to help you better understand maybe if some of those things were foreign to you. Um, lots of acronyms. We'll go through all those, and then we will let you go on your way today. So first, there we go. Oh, there we go. OK. So first, we want to talk about, oh, I think we skipped one, didn't we? There we go. Let's go back. Is that going back? Oh, my goodness. OK, we're going to go here. So first of all, you heard Alex mention competency, OK? This, these are our programs that we have that help you differentiate yourself. So if you are in a technology partner in the room and you're looking to build a SaaS solution, we have a program that will help you called AWS SaaS Factory. There are tons of sessions on this program this week, and we have some of those listed at the end of our presentation, but this is a great program for you to go into and differentiate yourself as a SaaS provider. We also have um, the AWS Service Delivery Program. You heard them say over and over again, what's your superpower, what's your superpower? If your superpower is in a certain service or a certain area that is an AWS solution. We have the service delivery program, and these are the partners that our sales teams go to to look for who has an expertise in Aurora, who has an expertise in Lambda. You actually can earn designations um, starting at the select level, the select tier, in our AWS service delivery program. Then the competency program. This is probably our oldest differentiation program. This is 
applicable for partners who are at the advanced tier or above, but these are our differentiations in certain workloads, such as in different types of um, things, such as like storage, or if you want to be the best partner in digital customer experience. We have programs that help you differentiate yourself from the tens of thousands of partners we have, and you heard Alex say it. He looks for partners who have competencies. And then the last program is our AWS Managed Service Provider Program. If you are on embarking on your next gen MSP journey, or you are already an MSP and want to become an AWS MSP, this is a great program for you. Now, these are a lot of different programs. I named out a ton of tiers. How do you get there, right? That has always been something that I think was missing within the AWS Partner Network. And I don't know if all of you in the room know about the, the um, APN Navigate program. It is amazing. If you are registered or you're thinking about register, registering to be a partner and you don't know how to get to that select tier to where you start getting all these funding benefits and can join those programs that we just talked about, Navigate has that path for you, okay? Let's say you're already advanced or you're already in the select tier, but you want to specialize in a certain area like IoT. That was mentioned quite a bit today. The Navigate program actually has some tracks in it that can help you further your engagement in those areas. So these are the ones that we have that are um, now live. There is um, a website, and you guys will get to be able to see this recording. Please visit that website, and you can join those. Also work with your partner development reps or managers, and they can help you get in there as well. David, you want to talk a little bit about funding? Yes, yeah, sure. So we heard from Micah that funding is crucial and when to actually use funding. Now, we have three different motions we wanted to talk to you about today. The first motion is build. When we say build, what do we mean by that? In order to build out your superpower, you need obviously knowledge on a technical side, but also on the business side. So we offer funding for you. It's for every partner, register plus. Um, they can use that and use credits. They can get discounted training with our APN training partners. So this is something for you to use. The next step on your journey when you build out your business with us, it's the different programs, the innovation sandbox credits. And this is credits that you can use to build out your portfolio to expand on what you currently have. For example, I'm working with a lot of partners and their traditional business model was to host Magento shops. That was the only thing they were doing. And they were using innovation sandbox credits to expand on containers. They're now doing tons of other stuff. They're doing IoT. And they're using innovation sandbox credits to train their people to use that, that you can decrease costs and expand and innovate more. So this is something you can use already from registered tier up. The next point I wanted to talk to you about is market. How do you market, actually, things that you're doing and reach new customers? And for that, we have the marketing development funds, which help you use cash or credits, we, we invest up to 50% of the cost of your marketing activities. That's something you, that you can get reimbursed on and help you do more and advertise your services to the end customer. Now, a good example of something what we've done with one of our partners is we've done tons of meetups, which we've organized together, and we have reimbursed them for their cost with up to 50%. So the only thing they had to do was send us the invoice, and they were getting that. Little change this year, Marketing Development Fund is only accessible for advanced and premier partners. If you're a select partner, please talk to your partner development representative. Um, given that you're at reInvent, you can get it straight from me. There are exceptions to that as well, if you have a good case, so talk to your, talk to your partner development representative or a partner development manager. The last motion is sell. And on the selling part, we talked about it. It's Partner Opportunity Acceleration. That's the name of the program, POA. It's when we co-invest with you and the end customer to drive new opportunities, to drive new wins together. And that should be to shorten the sales cycle, not to create an opportunity, right? It's to shorten the sales cycle, to accelerate. That's why we have the name. David, not just a POC, right? Yeah, not just a POC. <laughs> So I picked one specific program here and I that I wanted to talk to you about, and it's the Workload Migration, sorry, Workload Migration Program. The Workload Migration Program is threefold. It has technical enablement, investment, and also brings the partner community together. 
It's a relatively new program, which probably none of you have heard about. And the reason for this, we have just recently launched a website, which makes it official, and you see it down there. And the focus of that is we want to migrate ISV workloads to AWS. And we want to help customers mitigate that risk and help them actually bring more workloads to AWS. Now, not all ISV workloads are qualified for that. Some examples would be Splunk, Cloudera, or Atlassian. These are like workloads where we actually, that are actually qualified for that. And we would give credits and cash for that to help you drive more workloads to AWS. And the special thing about it is it brings technology partners as well as consulting partners together because traditional ISVs, they have their own partners, their own consulting partners, and they might also have an AWS expertise. So bringing that together helps our customers build resources, build repeatable processes to mitigate the risk of a migration. The next program is something that is not official yet. It will launch tomorrow, and that's the APN Immersion Days. So we have done Immersion Days already a long time at AWS, and our solution architects are going out to our customers and doing Immersion Days on a regular basis. So what is this? Immersion Days is a one to two hands-on workshops. It's for customers to test drive AWS and your solutions. Now, we have done that to build trust, and our, our colleagues here from sales, they mentioned that building trust is so important. Now, some customers might have an idea of what they want to do, but they don't actually know how to do that. And with Immersion Days, you can get, specific, you can get knowledgeable on a specific topic and do that for customers. We will take one of your staff, train them, that they will become an Immersion Day practitioner. Um, that person needs to have a certification in place as well and you're being nominated, the way how to get to this program is you're nominated by our solution architect or by the partner development manager. But a trick here, you can also proactively talk to your partner development manager about this. If you think you're really good, your superpower is in one certain service or in a certain solution that we're having, then do that. In Germany, we have held many immersion days on Amazon Connect. We have done that on containers. So if you think you're really good at something, test out immersion days, you will get from us also co-branded content and also really repeatable process how to do these kinds of immersion days with end customers. Thanks, David. So we've talked about a lot of programs you can join, but what can you go and do today that's super important to building your business at AWS? So we talked about the ACE program. And for everyone that doesn't know what the ACE program is, it stands for the APN Customer Engagements Program. This is our opportunity management program, okay? So if you really wanna leave this room today and go into Partner Central and do something that was actionable from this, start with this program, okay? This program has three different facets and it has one that's called Partner Referrals, which is you guys submitting opportunities to us. And Amy did a really great job earlier talking about what she's looking for when you submit those to us. That helps our account managers learn about what accounts you're in and what you're good at, okay? We have also, on the other side, ways that we can send opportunities to you through lead referrals and opportunity referrals. Now, in order for you to be eligible to receive stuff from us, okay, everybody's eligible for to submit opportunities to us, but when do you start getting opportunities from those guys, right? you must meet these requirements, okay? Some of these requirements can be met with a lot of the programs that David and I have talked about today. First of all, we need you to submit 10 opportunities to us, okay? This slide is a great place to start for today. Those opportunities will be validated by our internal teams, and then they will land with these great folks that were up on the stage with us today, okay? You must also keep your partner solutions finder listing up to date. But I think one of the most important things on this slide is that you must have some type of differentiation program designation. So is it that competency? Is it that service delivery? What pro, is it that MSP program? You need to invest in differentiating yourselves to our customers in order for us to be able to send you business, okay? The other thing on here is make sure that you've signed the T's and C's with your actual PDM or PDR, okay? It's a really simple step. They send you a form, you, you sign it, 
and they upload it in, and we can see that within your partner profile. You would be shocked how many partners meet these requirements and just haven't signed the terms and conditions to start receiving opportunities from us. Once you do these things, you guys, you'll start seeing things coming back to you from us. We'll start bringing you business. So I talked already through a lot of this, but why, why, why do we want the opportunities from you guys? Why do we have this program, okay? Again, you heard all of this from them, but we want the visibility into what you're doing so we can support you. Also, so that we can know what your superpower is. If you go to Melissa and say, my superpower is X, Y, and Z, yet you've never submitted an opportunity that matches those superpowers to Melissa's actual accounts, she's not seeing that actual superpower go in action. She wants you to do these things so that she can bring you to her customer, say she's had those experiences with you, and as Micah said, trust you guys, and that there's honesty around what you can and cannot do. The other thing is, obviously, when you submit these opportunities, you will get connected with the account manager on that opportunity. You will get their email immediately. And the minute it is validated, you will get an email, and it will have their email on it. Again, reach out to them, you guys. Send them that one-sheeter that they can send to their customer. Um, they may not need it for that opportunity because you know you uncovered it, but they may have six other opportunities sitting in their CRM that they're like, oh my goodness, this is exactly what customer X, Y, and Z needs, okay? Um, and then lastly, as all of you I know, the tiers are hot on your mind. We're coming up on compliance. You do need a certain number of launched opportunities in order to reach your tiers, and by submitting them through the ACE program and launching them, that helps you reach your tiers. So before we wrap up with calls and action, David, did you want to talk a little bit about training and certification? Sure. So as you might know, we at AWS are builders. And for that, you need good knowledge. We have all kinds of training and certification for you to use and to show what your superpower is. We have digital training, classroom training. We have accreditations and certifications. And most partners, from my experience, they take a very technical look at it. They look from it from a technical perspective and not from a business perspective. And our session today is, is called How to Co-Sell with AWS. In order to do so, yes, you need to have technical knowledge. That's the basis. But you also need to speak their language when selling. When we talk about TCO, when we talk about simple monthly calculator, when we talk about funding, all these things, you need to know how to do that. In order to do so, we provide training for you. We have solutions training, which are specifically designed for business owners. We have, in addition, courses like the business professional. We have certifications like the cloud practitioner, which isn't really technical, given that I even can do that. So all of you guys, when you go out, don't just look at the technical perspective of AWS selling. Look at it also from a business perspective. That will help you build trust. You speak the same language and you will be able to sell more. Thank you, David. And be on the lookout for more co-selling courses where you know, our training certification teams know that that's somewhere that you guys want a lot of support in. And so we're, we're starting to do those things so that you know, your teams as well, your sales teams, have that ability to learn more about how to co-sell with us. So in our final two minutes here, we're going to give you some calls to action. So first, go and develop that one pager, OK? Go back, work with your marketing teams. The one piece of advice I would give you is make sure that it's really clear on how you and AWS work together, okay? If it's generic, that's not gonna help these guys. They need to know what you do to better AWS's story, okay? Number two, talk to your partner development managers or partner development reps around how you can use partner funding or what, what access you have. You guys, there is so much MDF funds, marketing development funds that are left and never used, okay? Understand when you need to use those throughout the year. Join a Navigate track. Whether you're advanced or you're registered, go and see if there's ways that you can educate yourself on areas that, you can, that can help you grow your business. Submit opportunities to the APM Pipeline Builder. That is in Partner Central underneath the My Customers tab. So that's where you can start submitting those opportunities through ACE. There's also videos on how to do that. Become ACE eligible so you can receive stuff from us. Build a partner learning path. Go in and start putting some things into your, 
your learning path so you can help your teams as well go in and start training as well. And then lastly, leverage that partner team. Again, partner success manager is for consulting partners, ISV success managers for our technology partners. Okay, so those are the folks that they were talking about that you can leverage. Here, take a picture of these. These are some sessions that you can go to to learn more about our programs that we talked about. Um, these are you know, coming up in the next couple of days. And with that, I'll let everybody take a picture really quick and then we will give our thank yous. All right, I'm seeing phones go down. I think we're about good, awesome. Okay, well thank you guys so much and for giving our panelists all the great attention that you did and we hope that you learned a little bit more about our sales teams and how to go and co-sell with us in 2020. And don't forget to take the survey. I know you've heard that a million times. But. <laughs>